Today, we see the galactic barrier. It's a traffic jam of space balls, and people have backstories they're brooding about. Talk about all episode 10 of season four of Star Trek Discovery, the galactic barrier after the jump. This episode of Commander's Log is brought to you by Geek Renaissance. Need that special gift for the nerd in your life? Love supporting small business? Look no further than Geek Renaissance. The artist, Sephra, makes all items by hand and will boldly go to the final frontier for your unique gift. Head over to geekrenaissance.company.site and use the code FLOBITO, that's F-L-O-B-I-T-O, to get 10% off your order. Don't forget to follow, like, and share Geek Renaissance on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stand by, Captain on the Bridge. Captain John, how's it going? Boom, da doom, da doom, doom, boom, doom, da doom, da doom, doom. I am so happy today, Flobo. My goodness, what? what a what a lovely season of Star Trek Discovery we've been watching. It just yes. uh, it gets better and better. Though uh, I got a couple issues with this one, but we can get to that. You've got issues. Well, I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> want to give a shout out to everyone watching right now on facebook on youtube on twitter on twitch and on linkedin for the second time ever but we can't go through this alone come to you live from the shuttlecrafts and the galaxy far far away across a couple of state lines please welcome john townsel yeah great to be back thank you hey, hey what's up <laughs> craig robinson thank you so much for just craig robinson the uss post show well let's talk about it man season four episode 10 the galactic barrier which i thought would have been a swerve we actually saw the galactic barrier and it's a lot more bulbous than I thought it would be. <laughs> Everywhere. Hey, TVMA for a reason. Tell me about the episode. What do you think overall thoughts? Okay, well, I'm going to answer that for initially by asking two questions. Uh-oh. Question number one. Now, we've seen the galactic barrier three times now, to my, to my knowledge. We saw it in Where No Man's Gone Before and in um, By Any Other Name in the original totally. show. Uh, yes. And we saw it again this week on Discovery. So it, it kind of looks the same in all three episodes. You know, we got like a basically a horizontal little disturbance there with some lightning and you know special effects and so forth. So here's here's question number one. Why don't they just fly over it or under the thing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, you can't do that. That's a plot. Because <laughs> uh, like as Spock would say. His sister is, is is demonstrating two-dimensional thinking. Am I right? I mean, yeah. Okay, well, I was like, that question is tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah question number two. Yeah. yeah. Might be a reach, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put forth a quasi-theory. I'm gonna ask this question to demonstrate that theory. Where are the Klingons? We haven't seen them since going to the future. And where are the and we well yeah that we haven't at all and I think this would be an opportunity personally to kind of put a a little bit of a cap or you know an extension at least on the Discovery Klingons did they get pushed back beyond the galaxy and now they become the foot soldiers maybe for this you know species um, 10C I don't know just mm. just saying guys 
Calvin John, let me talk to you for a second. Joe Townsend, Putin's propaganda, trying to put the Klingons in the future of the Punch Where do you land on this? Uh, You know, I I do have to say this story is very much on rails. And and we are going in one direction. Uh, Mm -hmm. Though the storytelling isn't terrible because they do keep upping the stakes and making things more difficult. But uh, you bring up a good point, Joe. I mean, this uh, 10C sending the DMA to our galaxy. If you haven't been watching this show, you've been missing a lot. (laughs) Uh, All of this has been going in a very linear fashion. Uh, And and it's really the the Federation's story, you know. If you're not in the Federation, you might not even have as much information as we, the viewers, have, uh, knowing that there's this giant thing. And then we find out it's a mining tool. It's many, many light years uh, around. Um, If you're not part of the Federation, you're chicken little. The sky is falling. (laughs) Yeah. Overall it's, thoughts, it, though? I know you had issues, but were you, were you vibing with it despite the issues? Or I'm was very the issues much vibing great? with it. No, no, okay. I'm very much vibing with it. Um, I, You know, the issues for me, uh, and I am i won't skip ahead to details necessarily. Skip ahead, man. We all did the episode. But <laughs> you, you hinted at it beautifully in the uh, preview to the show, in, in the, pre, the prologue, if you will, uh, <laughs> when you said backstory. Um, because we're getting a lot of backstory, we're getting uh, romances, we're getting, um, you know, the ch- parent-child relationship with Stamets and Tall. Like, all of these things are happening. Stress-free K, how you doing, man? All these things are going on right now uh, in, in a story that pretty much is a ticking time bomb. And, and at the end... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just skip to the end. And at the end, it's like, I wonder what we'll find very, very soon, but not yet. Yeah. <laughs> so it feels a little interstitial, this episode, but sure. But we still do learn a lot. And we still do go forward a lot. Uh, so I, I want to hold that thought real quick. I want to see how the stress VK. Thank you so much for tuning in. Craig Robinson, too, man. I know it's like eight hours in the future there. You know, do we, are we still getting like those nice toffees from Cadbury? Let me know. And stress uh, VK asks, uh, they mentioned the Klingons twice so far this season. They got to be somewhere. I'm inclined to agree. Now, to your point, Captain, I do feel things are on rails. I feel like by any other name, this episode would be filler. But I enjoyed the filler. It's kind of like an Oreo cream cake. You know, we had a little, little, little cream in the middle. It was great. Double stuff. It was great. It was double stuff, man. Uh, Dirt let me ask you, because you're an author that's way more decorated than I am. Uh, when you have forward action moving and you take time to go back and really fill in the past of characters, how much of that is really a deaf skill to nail correctly? Well, I, maybe I've just been lucky. I, I appreciate your kudos on that, my friend. I it just seems to come naturally to me. So um, don't want to oversimplify it. But I mean, but my writing style just for a moment is, is um, I think a little unusual compared to most because I just basically put this piece here, put this piece here, put, and I just connect them all later. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I definitely don't go as, as jump as I don't. It isn't, it's not really on the rails and it's not linear to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. It might end up that way. Yeah. But um, I say, hey, you know, this, this is going to be good. This is going to be Great, this is gonna be even better. Now I just gotta connect it also and make some some kind of sense. And that's why I appreciate stories like like the one we're seeing now in Discovery, because 
you know, we're getting, we're getting clues. Um, and I actually, I got to say, I thought this one, there wasn't a lot of uh, whiz bang action in it, but I think there's a lot of advancement. And Ooh, I got to say, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying John's wrong. I just hope he is about it being like a kind of a, a dud revelation when all of a sudden <laughs> done. That would be a, that'd be a major letdown. I, I really think there's, I mean, you know, like I said, the Klingons probably not, but right. Something right. like that. Cause we, we know it's going to, they've already said it's, it's going to be something new. It's not going to be the Kelvins. It's not going to be, you know, but it could be old adversaries or what have you. that are working in correlation with this species. We got to wait and see, but, um, but yeah, that just, uh, to answer your question about me, Flobo, that just, uh, makes it, you know, a lot more interesting and exciting to put it down on paper. Absolutely. Uh, this episode, I forgot to mention, directed by Deborah Kempmeyer. Uh, um, John, that's the thing, man. One of your guys ticked me off this week. You know, Uh-oh. I know you Uh-oh. like the guy, but this COVID clown showing up, exerting uh-huh. his mental dominance, and then going on for the day. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, what is up with your boy? Ko- Kovic, uh, played by filmmaker David Cronenberg, mm-hmm. uh, one of the most unique personalities one of the most unique directors uh from a a, let's face it the end of the 20th century the end of the 1900s had some incredible directors and and they uh you know you you got your coppolas and you got your scorseses but you also have your cronenberg you're you're very um intense loves horror uh, love psychological horror, um, Canadian. So coming from that different angle, Canadian uh, horror, lumberjacks. Canadians are so different from Americans in such subtle ways, and I, I actually really, I, I pick on them a lot because they're my people. My dad's family is Canadian, and and I do think of Canadians as having their own culture. Uh, you're welcome, Canucks. You you do. You definitely do. Uh, so anyway, Cronenberg. Oh, I didn't think I've ever heard. I think you have your culture. Thanks, you Northern. Hey, okay. It's also in Canadian culture to be polite, so they'll forgive me. Uh, the the uh, the thing that you've got with Cronenberg right now is he represents the whole concept that alien is so alien that you can't guess it. You can't know. And it's ridiculous for you because at the beginning uh, of the meeting, we see the camera go by all of the translation devices, all of these communications devices. And, uh, And he's basically trying to explain to them, these are probably useless because they're based on communication that we understand. This is so alien. We're probably going in there with so much confirmation bias. We won't be able to get through. And then hashtag Darmok and Jalad Tanagra. Totally get it. There you go. (laughs) Darmok. Perfect example. See, this is why, Joe, this is why I'm a genius. I'm the one who made him watch Darmok. He did. He did. Ah. That's I have no idea that existed. Now I'm getting all the t-shirts and merchandise because it's because of So you're welcome. <laughs> but yes, perfect example. What if you are speaking the same words, but the words have meanings that are entirely different? Mm-hmm. Um, we have to understand, and and that's really what I think this season is boiling down to for me. I know mm-hmm. I I every week I say a different theme that the season's boiling down to. It was Tell like me. 
good dads at one point. And then it was like, you know, feelings are important. Now I think it's like alien is so alien. You can't even describe alien. That's deep. Maybe we are the aliens. Oh, it could be. Well, I mean, I think we got a taste of that initially um, as far as getting away from just the, okay, you're an alien. If you have like a prosthetic on your forehead, you brought that up last time. And species 8472 Voyager. Yes. I mean, can't relate to them at all. I mean, right. And if this is something that's off the scale from compared to that, then that's going to be the big payoff that I hope we're going to get. And the, the um, big surprise and just the challenge you know, for our, for our, our crew and our other uh, characters, because best case scenario. Deal with it? Yeah. yeah. Best case scenario. And mm -hmm. worst case scenario, we go to a uh, planet where it looks like a small town. <laughs> I mean, that, that is like a trope there. In Howdy, Star Trek. Stranger. You know, After sugar cookies and some lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> They've done it before. I'm always afraid they're going to do it. We seem to be in the old West. I'm always afraid we're, we're on the Fox back lot. I'm always afraid they're going to do that. They've Welcome to Planet Hill. That Fox back lot, and it ticks me off because I because I used to work there. That's when they filmed Uptown Funk. So every time I see a palm tree in the back of that video, I'm like, wait a minute. Uh <laughs> we're gonna jump around here because we've all seen this first time or second time on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. It's a spoiler-filled show. So if you haven't watched the show, don't check it out. No. Uh, but we asked in the chat, Craig Robinson has this favorite part of the episode. Favorite part, the realization that Burnham is such a great, confident, capable captain. I'm gonna rely on your expertise here, Joe. You had Burnham basically be an insurrectionist in the first episode of Star Trek Discovery. Season four, she's a captain. She's like using the Vulcan side, her human side, trying to negotiate with Rilek, who has her own uh, story this episode. Mm -hmm. Thoughts about Burnham as a captain? Do you want to compare her to other captains? Where do you send her right now? Well, I mean, if I if, if asked to do so, I could compare to other captains, but I don't want to, to answer that question. And I'll tell you why, because... Look at this, Tell me why. you know, this great, fantastic journey we've seen with uh, from her for the past four seasons. As mm -hmm. you say, I mean, she started off as an insurrectionist. She, her heart was in the right place, but it didn't work out well for her, you know, mm -hmm. to the point of being taken, of course, a, a prison shuttle um, and up, you know, up to this point. So, I mean, why compare it to anybody else? I mean, the other ones went through the standard Starfleet rigmarole and you know, training there. My mom um, says that. Yeah, <laughs> rigmarole. That rigmarole. Yes. And of course, they all have their distinctive flavor uh, of personalities and characteristics. Yeah, but um, no, I mean, I got I got to admit when I um, I didn't know what to make of it when it when the show first came on. So I knew they were going to be focusing on a character that was not the captain. It was actually almost like a lower decks character in that sense. And like I said, look at the journey. So it's it's paying off. That's why I don't want to see a bad ending of the season, John. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I don't we, think we, we will. I don't think we will. They yeah. they do seem to be providing the alternatives to the previous alternatives. Uh, mm -hmm. They do seem to be pushing us forward. It's a very progressive show in every sense. Right. So I Agreed. worry, mm -hmm. but I also trust them quite a bit. 
I have the worst respect of the favorite captain going into this was Lorca, but <laughs> I will say that Burnham <laughs> will become my captain. Stress VK actually answers this as well. I really yeah. at the beginning of the episode when Cronenberg and the Federation Security Council trying to figure out what to do next because we all have ready room stuff. Uh, fortunately, Earth and Navarre joined the Federation right in the nick of time. Yeah. We all know Navarre mm-hmm. has its own situation because you know they're in that Alpha Quadrant. Right there, John? Alpha Quadrant is such a... Um... I'd like to talk about Alpha Quadrant privilege. <laughs> <laughs> almost got him to spit. Almost. almost. Wait, what? <laughs> wait, I would have been something. Yeah, exactly. Bad, super galactic, awesomely frightening stuff happens all the time in Star Trek. And how often does it happen in the Alpha Quadrant? Look, my mom and dad worked really hard to give me a spot in Alpha Quadrant, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we we know that something is serious. The Borg, the Klingons, uh, the DMA. We know it's serious when it gets close to Earth. <laughs> That's how right? we know the, hey. the stuff is about to hit the fan. Sector yeah, zero, zero, 001, that's the center of the universe, baby. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and it's so funny, too, because I think they mentioned at one point they're talking uh, about the Vulcans or the Navarians at this point. And they're saying, like, didn't you study Earth for like a 100 years before you approached them? Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. you really knew what was going on uh, with Earth before you got in there. So. There is this uh, there is this sense that the center of the universe is basically the shared space of Vulcan slash Navarre now yeah. and and Earth. It's hilarious. Uh, scary, actually. Scary and hilarious. I want to jump around here, Joe. Uh, okay. Navarre gets a lot of a lot of time here because the president of the planet is on the ship because she is a smitten. With one, Mr. Saru, but forget the will they or won't they. Let me ask you this. A very serious question, man to man. Do you ship go. them? Do you ship them? I mean, they're kind of cute. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I would. I mean, Saru's tried. You know. Actually, I got, you know, if I can be um, uncharacteristically sentimental for just a moment. <laughs> uncharacteristically. Um, I, think, I, think it's, I think that was a very sweet part of the episode. You know, that yeah. poor, um, you know, poor Saru, like, Kind of got embarrassed and a little bit humiliated. So she just walked away from me. But then she sought him out at the uh, at the end there when she was going to be on the ship, and she knew she was going to be there. He didn't, so she oh, she made for that private time. But let know? me let me let me add something to that. Now here we go. I hope I'm not hope I'm not uh, going to make a fool of myself by predicting this. You know, Vulcan was destroyed in the Kelvin universe. Yeah. What are you implying? I'm implying that Navarre maybe. Having some problems here, and you know, by next episode or so. So, Captain John, you have more of a heart than Joe, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I don't want it to happen. I think Joe does. I think he does. I think he was. Oh. What better way to put love to do the test and then have a planet blow up? Um, <laughs> so we, so we have this whole, uh, it's the Saru thing, you know. He's trying, yeah. he's trying to spit game, trying to be more than a friendship. Uh, ah. He's kind of. A, Failing, I'm failing, but the president decides to go on a ship to the Galactic Barrier does seem to be very much smitten. We were talking about this early in the season there, John, about the love angles here on Star Trek between Michael and Book, Adira and Gray, that sometimes they kind of lean too heavy into that. Stamets and, and Colbert. Does this yeah. one work for you? 
Um, yes, but for just two reasons, and and only the two reasons: Doug Jones and the uh, the woman who plays president of Navarre. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should have her name in front of me. Don't worry, we got it. I love I love these actors. I love them so much. I I would watch them playing checkers. I love them. Um, every single relationship. No, I don't. That that's. I mean, what? I'm an old man, so maybe I don't care that much. But you didn't care about Adira and Gray. I honestly, I didn't. I like the characters very much, but um, do other stuff. <laughs> do other stuff. I don't need to watch you like. Oh, um. Uh, I'm so awkward. Um, I don't need to see that. If it's, and, she's I, in a joke. Man gets a wife. He's already over it. I need to see this. Gone though. It's you know, look, it's it's adorable uh, when it's just anybody, <laughs> but when it's these two actors, there's something there. And I'm watching it, going like, do I want to see this? Well, it's kind of interesting, though. How do you fall in love with a Vulcan? You know, I think about how to fall in love with a Kelpian. That's to me the biggest issue because Saru's basically genetically modified. You know, he got his ganglia removed, and he's basically right. a different thing. Like, I think that would be the the, the challenge from that side. Interesting. Speechiest. That that would be weird. Uh, slow dancing with a Kelpian might be like slow dancing with an eel. I don't oh. know. Uh, You're turning me on. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> However, Whoa, guys, <laughs> is there anyone sweeter than Saru? No, I'll just leave it at that. Well, and that's He's... why I think that you know that's a possibility that we're heading for a huge heartbreak, not just their relationship, but a bad, bad thing for the Vulcan or the, excuse me, the Navarian president. I I agree well. with you in the sense that as we are setting up these delegates, um, ooh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Some wrestling going on there. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's TVMA, but geez. One of the things I want to see is Discount Duty Dance getting it on with a Kelvin. What fun. What fun. Go ahead. Get it, get it on with the big tadpole. Uh, we meet Dr. Harai. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be like our extra astrological linguist our cunning linguist if you will <laughs> so awkward him trying to put him over put uh Kovic over it was a funny joke guys get it <laughs> have you not been to a zoom meeting geez don't do that the 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 interesting thing about dr harai is he's like he's yet another awkward kind of uh kind of um what, what am i looking for He's a genius, but he's kind of grading. Wow. How mm-hmm. social awkward, you know, eating his peanuts and stuff in the meeting. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> and have you, did you notice that in every scene he's eating? Yeah. As How a fat man, hands, you know? I find that extremely offensive. I am a, a fat, fat man. man. Why can't a fat man be the one doing all the eating? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Representation you, matters. Rep- <laughs> uh, have you ever noticed that Brad Pitt, in like the last 15 years, every time he's in a movie, the character is eating every yeah. time. Cause he thinks that's super interesting. Ah, Brad Pitt in oceans 11 find one scene <laughs> in oceans 11 
where at the beginning, the middle, or the end of the scene, he's not eating. It's just weird. It's, it's a weird character period. detail. Uh, yeah. Same with Han and all the Fast and Furious movies. It's like, I'm so cool. I can get sustenance while things are going around around me. I get it. Yeah, so, you know, it, is, it is a characteristic of cockiness, though, John. Remember that, because both Kirks, Shatner and Pine, when they did the Kobayashi Maru, or in relation to it, eating that apple, because that's a arrogant, cocky move, you know? Kirk cheated. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, so wow, we had that's a good point, you know. We love cheaters here on the show. Uh, two characters <laughs> really got a lot of backstory. Let's go with the small one first. Uh, really yeah. decides to potentially or temporarily abscond her role as Federation president to go. President the resigned. That's the, the biggest news story in the world. President resigned. Not as big as Tarka and his kind of homoerotic relationship. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, but really first. <laughs> but, 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 but really, basically, absconds her role as president to be on this mission with Michael. And we had a little bit of that kind of tension that we saw in the beginning, but definitely a mutual respect. Joe Townsend, let me ask you this. It must be a little bit of a temptation when you're writing characters who have that kind of story to have them be incendiary and fight all the time. But we saw this kind of like cat and mouse game and ultimately they were on the same team, uh, Burnham and uh, Rillick. Well, I mean, it's a, it's, it's great storytelling. I think it'd be, um, now this is where my depraved mind goes, at least with the stuff I write, but I kind of am waiting for that rugby put out from under Burnham again, you know, it just seemed like right. a little bit too pat and a little bit too chummy with the yeah. two of them at the end there. Yeah. So what, what is yet to come? I don't know, but um, I, I, I like the evolution thus far and we'll see, we'll see if it goes on that straight and narrow path or if we have a little bit of a, you know, like I said, a little pulling of the rug out from underneath. Follow up question, Joe. Do you, did you buy Burnham's reason of having Relic say that, Hey, look guys, uh, the earth terror firm off of quadrants under attack. I did not buy uh, Burnham's reasoning, but did you? Well, the only reason I got out of it was that she basically thought it was that, you know, the other, uh, the former president's duty, you know, enrolled to, to make that announcement. But I got to admit, maybe I missed something. Enlighten me. I kind of felt like Burnham was like, yo, you go into that bullshit because I didn't want to say it. I wanted to hold that information. Go ahead, president. So she was like, oh, I wanted people to know that they trust you. I'm like, wait a minute, Michael. <laughs> I don't buy that. Not just a second. But. Well, definitely the heat off of Burnham. You know, I mean, that's one that's one possible motivation. You know, that people can keep looking at her for the, you know, the captain of the vessel versus the bearer of bad tidings. Let the, you know, let the former president take that, that heat. Why not? Well, that's <laughs> a good captain. point. Uh, yeah. You know, honestly, I thought this was a very anti-Donald Trump moment. Oh, <laughs> fitting, fitting. Why oh, so? should yeah. I explain it? I mean, well, it would help. <laughs> I uh, hate golf courses. No, I'm just kidding. You, <laughs> you get this. You get this little speech from Burnham about how important it is for a president to relay the bad news, but also show that they are unafraid, unintimidated. And that they have a plan and that they're confident in this plan. And that's mm -hmm. what you want from a president. And Trump never did that. And Biden does do that. Now, I don't think Star Trek is a very pro-American politics uh, universe or world. But I love that line where she says, plus, you're my president, too. And I yeah. don't know about you guys, but mm. I grew up. You know, because I'm a very old, very, very old man. 
I grew up at a time where no matter who the president was, you respected them. Yeah. Now, by the time we got to George W. Bush, that was really in shreds. That was barely holding together. And then, of course, when we had President Obama, uh, I loved Obama. So my my uh, yes, I did. So come at me. Come at me. I'm a liberal snowflake. I would would argue it was uh, President Clinton, the Monica Lewinsky scandal and or Watergate. But, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you know, and I understand that, but also I was one of those people who was like, do I care? No. <laughs> Which, again, oh, I, was, privileged. I, I was a kid, but the late night TV shows went, went ham. Right, right. And and that's the thing. It was a big part of the culture. Anyway, the the whole idea of I want a good president and I want a president I can believe in and I want a president I can stand behind and, and someone I can say, that's my leader. And Rillick has been working very hard at politics. So I'm not sure how presidential she seemed. She seemed more like a wheeler dealer, more like a manipulator. Uh, And that's certainly part of being a president. But here we are going, you're the leader who's, who's giving us confidence. And I liked it. I really did like it. No, I think that's, I think those are all excellent points, John. Um, Because it just occurred to me as you're, as you're saying this, that there are times when you can't, it isn't just about being popular or, you know, and being um, respected in that way. I mean, we always want to respect the office at least. And part of right. uh, doing well by the office is taking on those duties. Like she had to take on. And Michael said, Hey, that, that you know, it, it wasn't a cop out on her part. She's the captain of a starship, very important role, especially in this crisis, but she ain't the president. Right. Ultimately she's transportation. Mm-hmm. Ultimately. Yeah. She's also strategy if necessary, but what happened? Yes. Uh, As security. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, here's the, here's the mic, you know, tell tell the people what they need to know. Yeah. You guys are way more naive. I'm just kidding. You probably, (laughs) maybe I'm looking into into it, Uh, but uh, we we got some information though, that really has a partner and I guess it's a, he, I assume Mm. a humanoid species working on the moon. So this is something we got a little bit of a backstory uh, about the president, John, that was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, really, the the great trend in Star Trek Discovery, and I love when I see it anywhere in science fiction, is show us the micro and show us the macro, and then show us the micro again. So we understand that there are very important relationships. I mean, just the whole, they're going through their, the rough, you know, trying to enter the barrier and everybody's like, just think in a couple of months, you're going to be back on earth. And what are you going to be doing? Oh, I'm going to be skiing away. What are you going to be doing? Oh, I'm going to be surfing in Seattle. Like, <laughs> oh and, and there's the president like, oh, wow, you guys really do love earth, don't you? And then she realizes shame if it was destroyed. <laughs> then she realizes that she's got to, you know, she's got to address how much they love their planet. Uh, just like uh, the people from Navarre love Navarre. Of course they do. Mm-hmm. So uh, and she does have, you know, skin in the game, as they say, uh, because her mother's family is on Earth. Her partner's on the moon. So, yeah, the, it's it's the personal um, at, at the heart of it that uh, really adheres us to the story. And even though I say that I don't love, um, uh, oh my gosh, uh, Orso and Turan, what's his name again? What are you talking about, Tarka? Tarka. Uh, 
I, you know, I didn't, I didn't love having to go through like seven or eight flashbacks with their relationship. Oh, again there. But once mm -hmm. I got there, I, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, this all makes sense. I mean, ultimately, emotional stakes make sense. We're right. emotional people. Is it weird when we look? I was like, I got my mom that lives on Earth. I just imagine like Brooklyn on a tenement on the seventh floor <laughs> like, <laughs> with the laundry outside. <laughs> this sure is Earth, y'all. Uh, I, 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 I do hope they get back safe because I like Earth. It's 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 a little complicated here, but you know the air is all right. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> so okay, so this is the first time I've seen the Galactic Barrier uh, just from the the visuals of like the visual spectrum being shifted while mm. in the, the, the barrier i that thought was cool. the coolest part of the episode you don't really think about what changes sensorily sensorily sensor senses uh was that a you might you might even board? mean sensually you might yeah, even. i might uh -huh. even but this is why i went to <laughs> i went to the cheapest colleges i can find um what do you guys think about that was that too much of a gimmick or were you guys on board with that no, I don't think it was a gimmick at all. I, as a matter of fact, I did. I mentioned at the top of the show that this is our third time seeing the barrier, but this was the first time we've seen it fleshed out, as it were, in yeah. terms of the effects it had on it, instead of just zipping in there real quick and, and being jutted right out like we've seen previously. Right. Mm -hmm. So right. some of the, some of the um, phenomena that they encountered there I thought was really interesting, like I said, the, the balls and the... Um, <laughs> The change in this in the color spectrum for you know when they as far as the senses and so forth so no i appreciated that i mean they said they felt they had to go right down the middle of this thing instead of flying over or under it but since they did they, they had a you know pretty great experience while they did it <laughs> yeah it actually reminds me of a of a green lantern novel which if you're the first time watching the show i try to stuff in green lantern references <laughs> all the time uh but there was a there was a novel that came out featuring kyle rayner i think it was called uh uh, first flight or second flight or Gary's mm -hmm. yes, where the villain is outside of the universe is outside of existence and the Green Lantern has to go out there and tries to fight this thing that exists outside of existence I thought it was pretty cool add yeah. flashbacks to that but let's get back into it John you mentioned it Tarker has some backstory we're trying to figure out who was a person of interest here was it a colleague was it a wife was it a a, a partner if we got kind of all of that what seems to be an implied romance between uh Aura I believe the name was stand by uh, Oros Oros and Tarka, where they're in that prison together. John, did this work for you? Because you said eight flashbacks, bah humbug. Well, I, I got to admit, um, just the sort of surface of the story just didn't really pull me in. Because mm -hmm. we realized pretty quickly that they're cellies. You know, they're cellmates. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if you ever watched uh, the show Atlanta. Uh, once or twice. I dabbled. Yeah. It, it, there comes up a point where a guy was in jail and one of the other uh, people in jail, um, they had had a sexual relationship. The other person was like, hey, what's going on? And the guy's like, no, come on, man. I'm not into that. And um <laughs> and Donald Glover's character's like, but like in prison, the two of you were hooking up. And the guy's like, that's not gay. That's just prison. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Well, I got to tell you, that, that I, probably even more so than, than what I'm hearing from John, but I I couldn't really invest myself in, in the B story, quote unquote, of this episode as far as the, the two in, in jail, because being a pretty diehard, all-inclusive Star Trek viewer, it just, it, to me, it was just a retread of, the 
episode Hard Time from Deep Space Nine. When O'Brien was like sent to a virtual prison and he betrayed his cellmate. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The virtual prison. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a totally different situation, obviously, but the, the, the essence of it was the same for me. I, I thought that that whole, the whole point of that could have probably been dealt with with just a few lines of dialogue versus taking up half the show. But, you know, they, they can't all be winners in everyone's book. So I, I much preferred the A story this week than, than the B. I actually disagree. Let me read this comment first from Craig Robinson. He agrees with you. Didn't think Tarka earned an episode of flashbacks. Felt a bit boring to me. So the idea was to go through the barrier would be pretty much an ouchie, ouchie, ouchie to anyone's shields. So they try to get programmable antimatter. Both Discovery mm. got theirs and Book got theirs. But I actually liked it because there's so many times we see in action movies and sci-fi movies where someone just stops everything and goes, I was... In a relationship and it broke my heart. Like to me, I didn't buy Tilly and her mom because it kind of was like a one-time dump. So I like the yeah. fact we saw this. But that said, I kind of felt like they were really treading water what we've seen. I want to see the kiss. I want to see uh the relationship or not at all and keep it professional. This weird, like they were cuddle buddies, something I had to get myself <laughs> into. That was kind of weird for me. That's so funny because I actually have that in my notes, which was like Still, though, as far as we know, they were just cuddling. <laughs> <laughs> Stress-free case. I, was, I really felt for Tarker because he was solitary for 10 years, right? Fortunately, his new was sort of adorable. And yeah. That is 100%. Per- oh, actually, that's mostly true because I think it was five years. I, I'm not yeah. sure it was a full 10, but you're right. The, the point is absolutely right, Kay, because uh, he had been in solitary. And so he was super talkative and super outgoing. <laughs> And uh, Orsus was was really having Oros was really Oros. having. I wrote it down. Oh, my, oh, there it is, Oros, which bothered me because, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Flobo, there are such a thing as Oreos. Yeah, they're delicious. This would <laughs> be like uh, a character named, uh, you know, uh, a girl, girl Scout cookies, like, but with Isn't a, that Z. a strain of weed. Bro? Hey, maybe maybe it's going to be one letter away from Eros. You know, Eros. <laughs> I really feel like, as much as I love Discovery, I feel like some of the times they come up with names are like, uh, your has, your Sukal, Oros, does that work? Book, book. All right, cool. Like, lunch. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't seem very, like, well thought. <laughs> I totally agree. Flam, flam, doodad, blabbity, blab, lunchtime, everybody. There you go. There it is. Leo Genesis, oh, that's golden. That is a joke in a Yes, <laughs> delicious. Woo! Uh, this is my cellmate Samosas. Well, Tarka is like you know brooding like Batman because he betrayed his cellmate. Didn't know he's gonna fall in love. I assume, um, and he's kind of like saying he's a worse person for it. Here's a question, there, Joe: Is Tarka right to beat himself up, or is Booker right when he goes, "Hey, you didn't see it coming, mate. It's all right, okay, mate. Like, just get over it, mate." Well, I mean, I, I think he's right to uh, feel bad about Tarka, you know, to an extent. I think that I think to just blow it off like uh, Book suggests is would be, you know, I'm glad to see he doesn't have just a heart of stone like we've seen him portrayed up to this point. You know, there is a human being there. And that's probably the one redeeming aspect, in my opinion, about that that whole storyline in this week's episode. No, so, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, regardless of whether we would agree from, you know, because how many times does someone in your life beat themselves up over something? And you try to reassure them that they're going to feel bad because that's about it regardless because that's how they feel about it. It's usually right. me beating myself up, but I hear what you're saying. 
So I no, can't I thought believe that was I said have a nice day. Oh my god, man! <laughs> yeah. That's sorry of my life. But it's an excellent point uh, because it's it's internal and uh, and on, honestly, the that's uh, so funny from Craig Robinson. Flobo, <laughs> are you secretly British? Oi. <laughs> you ain't wrong. There's yeah, no secret there. He is. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how often he calls me the C word off camera. <laughs> My parents were West Indian. They drink tea all the time. That's all I got. That was all I got. 95 degrees drinking tea. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so Queen would love it. You drink something hot and then it brings your body temperature down. Come on. That's just simple British science. <laughs> no idea. Uh, I have no yeah, idea I where we were. It has a great American accent, by the way. I mean, yeah, not your cotton you rogue there. <laughs> Me and the guy from All American. There's two British guys in American accents. Uh, so also, we get the return kind of oddly of Adira. And uh, Adira yeah. is something we haven't seen in a couple of weeks. And it was kind of weird because it was one scene. I thought it was Tilly, but it was just Adira anyway. Uh, she is still kind of that awkward, adorable thing. Stam is a show trying to deal with this, but Stam is just gone through the socially awkward ringer this season between that and Zora and is finding his own place. Joe, let me ask you, Adira, welcome return or what the heck was that? Uh, not an unwelcome return, but again, eh. You know, wow, special opinion. But I kind of, but I kind of feel about the characters more or less. And, you know, just as I think John said something along these lines is like maybe the way she's been handled thus far, as far as the relationship, you know, both of them, I, you know, if they it just kind of like maybe had that at the beginning and then he evolved past it, kind of like um, it reminds me a little bit of uh, this is your favorite uh, character flow, Neelix, huh? No, that's, a, that's the opposite of my favorite. I was a commander, <laughs> non, I mean, commander Bryce. <laughs> Oh, and they started them off in a relationship, and then they just quickly went beyond that because that was creepy. Was she was like three years old, man. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, so I think if they had done that with these two characters, you know, as far as okay, let's introduce them as such, but let's have them go on a different path, then that might have been a little more interesting to me. So, like I said, it it, it was okay. I like the character fine, but I haven't, I haven't really seen a lot to inspire me with her yet. So I wasn't I wasn't real thrilled to see her, but I wasn't unpleased either. How's that so, for a committed answer? I, I love it. That's why I said Joe for president. Um, so Leo Jedinsick put two Vicks, and that's why I'm going to ban him after today's episode. <laughs> so, that's why I see characters. Uh, John, try to cut you off. You were saying something? Oh, uh, yeah, I definitely... Um... I, I guess I'm still finding some juice here. You know, I'm, I'm still getting some, some sweetness from this relationship, but I have to admit it's not a deer at all that I feel this way about it's uh, Stamets being the over-enthusiastic uh, parent. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and, and it's just so adorable. And then we find out that his father didn't do that for him. So mm. he's warning her, he's probably going to do it extra for her. Mm. And, you know, I found uh, in, in my sort of parental and uh, mentor relationships that I've had, I'm the same. I always try to, I always try to fix what my parents did. Yeah. And sometimes it's ridiculous how much I do it. Um, <laughs> when I put up this last episode of Starbase 80, Flobo, mm. I, uh, you can only put up a video that's less than an hour. And that one was oh. over an hour. So I went through the episode and I edited out several, several moments where I compliment you. <laughs> Thanks. Oh. 
<laughs> Mom, is that you? <laughs> that I'm, was comic view too much, so I that, cut it out. That bought me like five minutes. I was like, wow, you really went on a long time about how much you love Flobo and you love his shows and you love everything he's done for you. And, and it, it hurt to take it out, but it was like, know. this is not the Star Trek part. So I'm taking hey, that out. Supplemental, you know? <laughs> yeah. All Flobo, all episode. I, I, this is the most weirdest comment I've ever heard. Like, I realized I was saying you're great for too much, so I just basically cut it out and took it from the record. <laughs> Thanks, John. Uh, <laughs> it was time to get out of Believe here. Believe me, guys, I felt terrible. Yeah, you did. Uh, no, you did. If you're in the chat right now, give me your final thoughts on today's episode. My quote of the week comes from Saru, who's talking to Commander Reese. He goes, Frontiers are always cool, Mr. Reese, if only we can enjoy it. That's great. Uh, yes. Joe, Joe Townsend, you know, I got to ask you this question. You have that weird story with Oros. It's a lot of time spent on him. Broken ribs, I guess, rib equivalent, because they're not humans, but whatever. Yeah. That's it's the rules of science fiction. Left behind. Will we see Oros again? Will Oros be the reason for the DMA today? Thoughts? Uh, can't see it. I think I think the, the character serves its purpose in this episode. And I think that's I think it's done. Now it doesn't necessarily mean it might not return in the future somehow, but as far as being a, a major linchpin in the mystery where with the DMA, I'm no, I'm not seeing it. Mm, Captain. Yeah, I gotta agree with Joe there. It seems a little too direct that uh those two stories would be related. Also, there's a real weirdness to the Oros story, which is somebody was smart enough that they found a teleporter that could take you to heaven. But, but it, it, it requires an amount of energy that we don't have in our galaxy. So that's interesting. Um, that's the worst luck, but a couple of years of perfecting energy sources and bam DMA. I'm just saying uh, it's, it's entirely <laughs> possible that things are tying together, but I, I think what we're going to find is that there's an end to Tarka's story um, that we may or may not see the end, but I, I honestly see him getting, uh, I honestly see him getting killed <laughs> very soon. <laughs> and then like, well. I'm going there. I'm going to the promised land. It just seems like that to me. Craig Robson says. Because I mean, we saw the first bit of really humanity in the character this week. So that's that probably serves that, maybe it serves that bigger purpose as far right. as having. Yeah, he, you no, know, he's dead. Yeah. Making a sacrifice. He's dead. Maybe. He's gone. Craig Robson says, really dragging the 10C stuff it's, out. It's like, Here we go. You know. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely this is kind of in the mo for for star trek dragging things out in fact this time last year i was kind of burnt out on the emerald chain and it's kind mm. of weird i'm being punished for it being having story beast being still in play it's like oh yeah i think i want to be over maybe i should have paid attention last time around uh by the close-up shop here captain one more question for you your favorite guy kovich was asked to be on this mission but he has more important things to do what do you think he's at right now what they make such a big deal out of that i actually wrote that down where it's like i can't imagine anything more urgent than this and he's like well you'd better hope it's not <laughs> he's just such a he? dick about it. Where's it, going? Uh, it it is it's crazy i wonder are they shooting the star uh, federation starfleet academy show right now and they have their own end of the universe storyline going on. i don't know it's so 
I, I think maybe what they're trying to tell us is that Kovic does handle things on a regular basis that are this big. I think that's what that is. Okay. Therefore, when we have the show that Kovic is in prominently, which I believe is going, I'm just guessing. I think it's going to be the Tilly show. And I think it's going to be like uh, Doctor Who, uh, where it's like end of the universe every week. <laughs> I hope not. Mm -hmm. I find Doctor Who pretty boring because of that. So I hope that's not where we're going to end up. But shots fired. Maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't watched it myself. I'm just <laughs> and I'm sorry to all our British family and friends that I said that about <laughs> Doctor Who. You better apologize, you wonk. What are you, a Muppet? <laughs> Come off of your knob. Uh, no. <laughs> Joe, uh, what's Kovic doing right now? You think he's out there? He has a condo in the Alpha Condor somewhere? Just going on vacation? No, I, I I have to think that, again, going back to what I, I hope John's wrong about it being an anticlimactic resolution to our dilemma this season. Okay, you know what? Uh, President Burnham, the crew, the delegates, they're on the front lines. They're making their way through the barrier. Right. Kovic? He's handling it from from behind the scenes or from the back back end or something like that. There's there's a part of it. There's a piece of it that only he can handle, and only he's privy to. So I'm looking for that to be a big part of the revelation. Well, yeah. I wish I was privy. Let me know what you guys think <laughs> in the chat. This has been Commander's Log on LinkedIn. We made it, baby. I can't believe LinkedIn. This. I just can't believe it, man. Woo! <laughs> As we put the land the USS post show every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Joe Townsville, if someone wanted to interact with you, how would they do that? Besides saying, hey, Joe, how's it going? <laughs> how, how, they, how are they interacting with you? Well, as as always, when you guys are great, you know, great enough to have me on one of your shows, I mean, where is it? Over here. You, go, you found me there. Oh, yeah, there you go. Um, there you go. Look for me on Amazon.com. You know, just look, search for Joe Townsville there. You, you Flobo and I both have our author pages there. Um, and, you know, feel free to drop me an email, joe at joetownsville.com. That works. And, you know, you'll see my current books on the websites and on Amazon. And as I've been plugging for the last couple of appearances, you know, we got the new one coming here real soon, making good progress uh, on that. Uh, so that's going to be my. I like juice. I mean, good yeah. man. You're, you're, so they're coming at you. Oh man, Captain man, if I want to go check you out, see what you're working on, I'll do that. How about doing uh, Starbase eighty? You can find us uh, at Starbase eighty on Twitter, the Starbase eighty page on Facebook. Uh, this week, Flobo, I sent you this email a little earlier. I know you're busy today, so I'll just tell you right now on your show. Uh, oh. We will be watching. We will be getting the two parter. We are beginning the two parter, Scorpion. Parts one and two from Voyager, Ooh. and we're going to meet Seven of Nine. Ooh, so that's going to be very exciting. Also, in less than a week, Joe, Joe Townsell will be joining me, Leo Genesek, and Chris Pitcher as hey. we, we get ready for the premiere of Picard Season 2, what we like to call Picarder. <laughs> you know me i love puns in fact one of my friends got me a pun the day calendar and i swear to you it's most of the most daddy jokes ever my favorite movie without a doubt is miss fire you see this this is the reason why a menace but awful. That is it awful. is <laughs> <laughs> well you know you guys just real quick there was the you know there's always the um the saga of the poor you know uh eskimo that lives up in alaska and he was in, in the you know he's in the market for a new boat, couldn't find one with a heating system. And he says, "What are you talking about? I'm in Alaska, you know. I got the 
got I need a new boat. What are you telling me? He says we gotta, you know, get into the old proverb, you know, you can't have your kayak and heat it too. Oh what what kind of insect gives milk? <laughs> I don't even want to know. Boob bees. <laughs> you asked for a plobo. I'm sorry. You said you like the puns. We like puns. We like puns. We like, we puns, like puns. We like puns. We like Bobo puns. Bobo is he's he's he's, he's <laughs> in shock. Look at him. Good night, everyone. 